Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Final Reflections In 2012, Tom was transferred to the Dixon Correctional Center. When I first started this project, I thought it would be interesting to see what I could remember from my childhood. I didn't think it would be so much. But after sitting down and thinking about everything, I was able to remember a lot more than I thought possible. It's like a roller coaster ride for me because I can recall all the bad memories and some of the good ones. The bad ones make me sad because they felt they had to treat me that way. And I'm sorry for my mother for having to live the way she did with all that anger. But when you're a little kid, you don't understand what is going on. All you're looking for is some love and understanding from the people around you. Not threats of violence, beatings, and being told you're nothing and that your mother regrets having you. When I was younger, I always wondered what it was that I did wrong. But as I grow older, I see that it was her problem, not mine. I do, however, get sad wishing I could sit down and speak with her now at my age in an effort to gain insight in what really made her act the way she did. I long for my family and am saddened that what took place had to happen. I wish I could see them again and talk with them, apologize for my actions and hope that I am forgiven. I've had some sleepless nights just going over my past life with all the stuff done to me and all the stuff I have done to others. A lot of people did not deserve what I did to them, like using girls for sex and robbing people who worked hard for what they had just to have me come along and take it from them. Sometimes I wonder if I was that very bad person some people were talking about during my trial. I wonder what those people really think of me now, the people I hurt. I have thought about trying to find some of them and apologize, but that would only bring up bad memories. It would help me, but would it help them? I don't know. I see that I have done a lot of wrong things in my life and am beginning to see why I went the way I did. So. Once again, I go back to if I had just a little love and understanding as a child, and if my mother had had a little love and understanding during her life, then she would not have been the way she was during her life. I wish I could go back in time and change some of the things I did, and use more wisdom in the choices I made. But I can't. This project has helped me find some of the answers, but there are still some that can never be answered and it is a painful and a deep sorrow for my soul to live through some of these memories. Several years ago, I was sent to Pinckneyville Correctional Center, which is very close to my hometown, and there are people employed from that area. What got to me was how many people remembered and had the question of why, even though it had been nearly 20 years. Officers would come to my door and ask why I did what I did, and there were people I went to school with who just asked me if I was okay. And then there were the people who thought I should have been executed. I was so happy to not only be in a medium security facility, but happy to be in an area where at least I could feel like I was at home. But those staff members let me know in not so many words that I could never go home again. That was a bitter pill to swallow because it was like they let the air out of my sails by putting me in segregation and shipping me to another facility within one week of arriving there. That let me know that even though I cannot get past this, there are a lot of other people that are deeply affected, and I will never be seen as anyone other than a monster 
regardless of who I am or who I become in the future. But regardless of what people think of me, I have to do this for me. And in the process, I hope that I can prevent other kids who are in a situation I felt I was in from doing what I did. It has made me determined to better myself and find the answers I need. I don't believe that my whole purpose for being was to commit this crime and go to death row and to die. There has to be more to it to give me hope, to be involved in a church, to tell my story, make myself available to youth, to let them know what I've been through, and let them know that they could tell me anything. I'm not going to let you down. I'll do my best to help you. It's been a hell of a life, a hell of a road. And I hope nobody else has to go down a road like this. My story could be used as a teaching tool if someone else comes down this road, if they feel this is the only thing they have left. Options. When you're young and you get involved in drugs, you're really not aware of the world. Life is so narrow and you're not really thinking about tomorrow or looking for opportunities. You think, I've got to resolve this right here, right now. It's a little picture as compared to the big picture. Be proud of it because it's the only one you get. On March 9, 2011, the death penalty was abolished in the state of Illinois. From 1977, when the death penalty was reinstated, to 2000, when the moratorium on executions was instituted, 298 men and women were sentenced to death in Illinois. Of those 298 individuals who were convicted of murder and sentenced to death by Illinois courts, 12 were executed and 20 were ultimately exonerated. 13 were exonerated prior to the moratorium and 7 were exonerated after the moratorium was initiated. This exoneration rate of nearly 7% is higher than any other state with a death penalty statute on the books. Due to this alarming exoneration rate, combined with the risk of executing an innocent person, Governor Pat Quinn, a former death penalty advocate, signed the bill to abolish the death penalty that had been approved by the Illinois legislature two months earlier. The new law took effect on July 1st, 2011. As previously mentioned, Tom Odell was transferred to the Dixon Correctional Center of the Illinois Department of Corrections in 2012. He survived 17 years on death row and his life was spared by the moratorium. Following the abolition of the death penalty and his transfer to the penitentiary where he will likely remain for the rest of his life, Tom reflected on the difference between the death penalty and his life without parole. His is a rare perspective. Very few people have directly experienced both sides of this controversial issue. In 2013, he spoke with Robert Hanlon, author of this book, about his future. The realization of where my life is going to end up is very depressing. I see individuals who have done many years lying in beds, praying for death to come to take them away from prison. They're in their 70s and 80s with terminal illnesses. They're all alone. Nobody writes. Nobody visits. And who would? They're old and dying. They come in here as young men, just like I did. Their lives were spent in a cage because of something they did when they were teenagers. Like me. They were deemed pieces of human garbage who should never inhabit the realm of free society again. But they always hang on to a sliver of hope that one day they can be free again. 
Am I going to end up in one of those beds with a terminal illness, just like them? It makes me want to break down and get on my knees and just cry. Not cry for them, but cry for how I ruined my life and the lives of many others. I never really entertained what my life would be like if I had to spend my whole life in prison, until now. Now I'm staring at it every single day. I was talking with a guy the other day who was on death row with me, and I asked him a question. A young kid kills his family because he lashes out in the only form of retaliation he knows, violence. He goes to death row and spends nearly 20 years waiting to die. He's prepared to die, but they let him off death row. Now he sits around waiting to die in prison, always looking out the window at what he can never have, never touching or experiencing life, just enduring life until the body finally gives out, hanging on to hope that deep down he knows will never come. But he hangs on anyway, because he has to, so he can get out of bed and function. Now, doesn't the death penalty seem more like a release or a gift than life in prison? We both looked at each other for a long time and dropped our heads, because it's wrong to pray for death, isn't it? <laughs>